Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 0.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. Welcome to the Masogi Method with work happiness expert Jody B. Miller. Each week, Jody interviews amazing people who have broken through huge barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness in their lives. For each of us, the path to lasting happiness has always been there, but it may take a Masogi to get you on it. Here's your host, Jody B. Miller. Welcome to the Misogi Method, breaking through barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness that lasts. I'm your host, Jody B. Miller. I am so happy to be interviewing PhD Melanie Greenberg today. Melanie is a leading individual and couples therapist, coach, and keynote speaker. She helps her clients manage stress, reduce anxiety, improve their relationships, be more productive, and deal with difficult people, among many other challenges. She is also the author of a very successful book called The Stress-Proof Brain. Melanie, welcome to the Masogi Method. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy that you could, that you could make it. If it's okay with you, I'll just jump right in. Sure. Okay. So what brought you to this area of counseling, this... Um, it, was this just something in demand? Like what led you to this path that you're on? So uh, my interests are in about stress, trauma, and positive psychology, and as well as the brain. And the, I think stress was the first area that I came into. And that was because I grew up in South Africa, the end of apartheid, and it was just a lot of transition and kind of trauma in the society. And also sure. making a decision to immigrate and adjusting. And so that, that just felt very personal to me. You know, how do you get through when, when things maybe are out of your personal control or when, when life gives you complicated scenarios to negotiate? Sure. So when did you get to the United States? In 1986. So about a while ago, I, although I haven't lost my accent. <laughs> no, it's a lovely accent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I came here to graduate school, actually, on the East Coast, but I'm on the West Coast now. And so when you were in graduate school, is that when you started to focus on more of the counseling track? Yeah. I mean, I was um, in a clinical psychology program. So, you know, I went to become a clinical psychologist. And then my specialty was stress, helping people manage stress and anxiety. I would imagine, yeah, going through apartheid, you probably saw so much stress around you daily. Yeah, yeah, and you know, stress changed um, suppression of, of people, of people's voices and uncertainty. You know, like the society was very changeable. Nobody knew what was gonna happen. And I think sometimes that can be the essence of stress, things you can't control, things you can't, you know, you can't really predict or control the outcome, but it could be very negative for you um, or for other people around you. I think that, you know, that's, that's what causes stress in a, in a way. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Or, or 
would fear fall into that fear of just not sure. knowing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Fear. I think, you know, our brains are wired to be prediction machines. So our brains are constantly trying to predict what's going to happen. Um, and also we want to feel like that what we do makes a difference, you know, that if we do something, it can result in you know, some, some improvement in the situation. And when you don't have those conditions, it's very difficult. You, it's sort of like you've got to work on acceptance and mindfulness. Sure. Um, so really, you go a lot deeper than just how to re- release stress, like with your work or managing too much on your to-do list, for example. Yeah, that's a different kind of a stress. I mean, I think it can still make, you know, your heart beat rapidly and and you can be worried or lie awake at night or you can sweat. But, you know, in the end, you know, it could be, be even a positive stressor depending on the situation where, you know, you, you're up for the challenge, you, you know, you put in a big effort, but you have a big achievement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that can be a positive kind of stress. Definitely. But I, nevertheless, the day-to-day, I think of too much to do, it, it is stressful, but it's at a lower level than what I was experiencing. Sure. You, it sounds like you were probably in an extreme environment. Um, uh-huh. So how do you translate that to the U.S. Mm-hmm. after you saw this extreme stress in people's lives to the stress that you're experiencing now when you counsel people? So the stress that my clients are experiencing, mm-hmm. is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know what, my clients are dealing, people tend to come to therapy when they're stressed out by some reason or another. And sometimes it's, it's an old thing, that, event that they've experienced, like a trauma or a difficult childhood or, ch- or childhood pain or bullying. And they just hold on to it. And then, you know, later on in life, it sort of, it, it recurs, some other situation happens and it, and it triggers that. And then that brings them in. Uh, but some people also, I think, are, are facing difficult circumstances, like um, an unhappy marriage or a marriage that used to be happy that's now unhappy or a spouse's affair or unemployment or financial stress or you know, difficult issues with kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, some people also, you know, there's biological vulnerability to depression. You know, some people are just more likely to have depressed kind of brains. Um, so, yeah, I, I've seen all of that and I've had a little of that myself. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> Many people have. <laughs> absolutely. Especially if you, you raise kids and you're in a long-term marriage and maybe it's not what you thought it would be. Um, yeah, life is life is tough. Life is not for wimps, I think. <laughs> ah, I love that. Life is not for wimps. That'd be a great uh, blog or book. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you write a lot about, you know, letting go of emotions that don't serve you. So emotions like regret. Um, I really resonated when I was reading more about your 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 theories and your approaches and the areas that you focus on. So some emotions you had mentioned were regret expectations, which I'm a big one. That's a big one for me. And mistakes from the past. How does someone get through one or more of those? So I think a lot of people struggle with regret because it's, it's not possible, you know, for you to make the perfect decision, every decision you make in life. And often you, things change in a way you couldn't predict, or you just, you know, sometimes maybe you're not mature enough at the time. 
and or don't have enough life experience. But a lot of people, a lot of us, I think we beat ourselves up for making a, a, a decision, you know, that we, we could have made some other decision. Um, mm -hmm. It may be that, you know, that we didn't leave a relationship soon enough or, or speak, you know, leave a, a, a job where the boss was, was abusive or, you know, was a bully. Um, sure. It all. could be, you know, not pursuing a certain career path. Um, not having, you know, not having as many kids as you, not having kids early enough. So it comes up for just about everybody. And um, sometimes I think the secret is, is to learn how to process it and, and kind of forgive yourself mm -hmm. or to understand. And that can be, you know, that can take work. That can be a process. But part of it might be understanding the circumstances you were in, you know, that influenced this decision and how, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, so you don't don't necessarily have the knowledge then that you have now. So it's not a bad thing to have maybe not made that decision that you think you should have made. It, it sounds like you're you're trying to move people toward forgiveness as as sort of like the base. Then do you build from there? Yeah, I think a couple things. I you know, there's some research that shows regret can be helpful if there's something you can do to change the situation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so if you say people that, that are alcoholic and go to AA, you hear lots of stories, you know, of like bad things that they did or that happened or because of alcohol. And, you know, there's, there's a sense of like, I'm kind of regretting the alcohol, but at the same time using that as impetus for change because you don't want to, you know, be stuck in that place. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a way that regret can be helpful. And it's especially, it, it can be more helpful for younger people than older people. Because, you know, if you're elderly, you, you kind of often have less chance to go back and, and, you know, redo your choices. But if you're young, there may still be time to make a different choice. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, change your major or change your job or even maybe get divorced, if, you know, if that's what, what is, um, will help you. Do you um, find that when, that when you're dealing with, let's, let, let's just talk about regret for a moment, um, continue on that theme. Sure. Does it work? Is, are you more effective? one-on-one -on -one with people um, or working in a small group or with couples? I mean, it seems to me like regret's a very personal thing. Yeah. I mean, mostly the work I do is one-on-one -on -one with regret, but um, I also blog for psychology today and, and I've written blog posts on regret, which I get, I get kind of letters from people and emails from people saying how, you know, the heart's an important issue for them and how it's helped them that somebody's focusing on it. So I guess those are the two ways that I focus on it. So if you could give listeners who might be experiencing regret um, one piece of advice, what would that be? So I guess I would say don't be too hard on yourself mm -hmm. and try to, try to look forward, like try to look what can I learn from this. So it's sort of two pieces of advice in a way. But yeah. Don't be too hard on yourself. It's about, in the, you know, common humanity, I suppose. We're all human and, and we all make mistakes. So, don't, you know, learn not to expect perfection from yourself. Learn to forgive yourself if you, if you didn't, you know, if you made a mistake, basically. And it seems like, you, I mean, you can't really change the past anyway, right? We don't really have control over the past. And in a way, we don't even really have control over the future. But it sounds like 
if you can help people make the change or get over the regret today, that's huge progress. I agree. I mean, I think what we can have a little bit of control over is like how we, how we relate to our own thoughts and what thoughts we, we focus on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and sort of, you know, how we can redirect our thinking in a certain way that can be very helpful. So, you know, if you can get stuck on a thought of that you're a loser or something like that, you know, that you're, that, like, you're a failure, that can be very, very toxic. Sure, and debilitating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can learn, uh, you know, to try to view the situation in a different light. Not as not as black, you know, not as black and white. Like not not such a big label that defines your whole life. You know, um, you know, you could try to make the situation a bit lighter, and then if you can think of you, you can define it as something you can ultimately learn from, or in the process of learning from. I think there's a little bit of hope in that. I like that. So if you can actually define it and not just have this overwhelming feeling of regret, like you you like you're so far behind the eight ball in life because of these regrets. But if, like you said, if you can define it, then you can probably start to make the change. Is that, is that kind of the process that you see your clients go through? Yeah. So, I mean, for example, say somebody, a client um, didn't speak up to a boss who was a bully or something like that. And sure. Then, you know, then they kind of, it got too much and then they left, you know, like years later, but maybe not in an elegant way. Um, that would be one example. So the regret might be, why didn't I leave, speak up? Why didn't I leave earlier? Why wasn't I stronger? You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But another way to look at it, I guess you could focus on, you know, well, what were the circumstances? I guess, what options did you have? Was the organization going to support you? You know, maybe that's something that's difficult for many people to do. Um, you know, maybe you needed the money or, so you're trying to take into account the circumstances and so you can forgive yourself and then to think about, okay, but you did leave now. So honor yourself for that, mm. you know, and then like in the future, what can you do? Maybe you can, you know, be more aware of, of the boss to the best of your ability. Try to, you know, try to try to be more aware of who you're working with or try to leave earlier the next time, you know, often we get another chance maybe not exactly the same situation, but we get another chance and we can do it better. So if you break it down and define it, as you say, and then you're able to forgive yourself because you, there may have been circumstances and then honor what you did do. I love that part. So give yourself a break and honor the fact that you did make some change and then Mm -hmm. look how you can move forward. That's, I like that path. And for those that have regret, I think that's really good advice that you, that you offer. Thank you. I I think, I sometimes say none of us have finished products. We're all works in progress. Yes. And that can be a compassionate way to, to view yourself. Sure. And so so we have sometimes we have regrets and that for example, the career, you know, we talked a little bit about that. What about expectations? People that feel like they're just not reaching their potential. A lot of times people are told you have so much potential. And then it just gets to the point where they'll say, because I do a lot with um, companies and talent inside the companies, employees, and a lot of them have told me over the years, you know, everyone always says I have potential, but when are they going to tell me I've reached my potential? So it's uh, those expectations, self expectations Mm -hmm. or others. How, how would you address that situation? 
I think first thing is to assess what's going on. So they could be, you know, it could be a number of things. One could be that, you know, the person sort of expecting too much of themselves. Maybe they, their standards are too high or they're being unrealistic about what they actually could achieve given their abilities and, and the circumstance. Mm -hmm. And then, the, you know, the, then it would be to revise expectations. That would, that would be to try to accept, you know, who they are and what they can actually do. It's so funny. Why... Could... Go ahead. Um, another situation could be that a person has some kind of a pattern that's getting in their own way. That could be maybe like not not being kind enough to themselves or being intimidated or being scared of change or not being disciplined enough and or you know, doing too much for others and not taking care of themselves. Those are some examples, um, especially sometimes with women. And so with that, you know, then, then it would be to work on that pattern and try to see how it's affecting your life and, and taking small steps to change it, you know, and building on steps. So until you take it becomes a big change mm -hmm. yeah women especially we especially working women mothers yeah <laughs> there's always a lot something a lot many there's always a hundred things you haven't done <laughs> exactly so i love just just um not being afraid of change I, i'm a big believer in um when i did my tedx talk about the masogi method i'm a big believer in taking embracing change embracing big change and being okay with being scared of it because yeah i love that as well yeah and it, it's okay because every every job i've ever had Melanie, i never knew what i was doing when i started <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i think i think uh if people can just not be so scared of change and i like um that you encourage that as well what about um mistakes from the past how would someone break through that barrier that self-judgment i mean i guess i also have a couple things to say here i think maybe you did actually you know do hurt somebody in, in a way that you know say you had an addiction would be an example uh, or you know you hurt somebody in a relationship in a way that you can't take back mm -hmm. um or undo I suppose it's thinking about, you know, is what would it, can I, what would it take to forgive myself? And, you know, some people, you, can, you might do a kind of, you might go have to go and apologize to the person. Or, you know, if that's not feasible, it wouldn't make sense. Maybe you, you give yourself some kind of a task or a, donates, you know, money to charity every month or do some volunteer work or you give um, or mentor somebody. So maybe you try to, I think one effective way is to try to do something good and to see that, but a very kind of defined thing. And then to see that as, as kind of doing penance for the other thing mm -hmm. so that you, you know, you're learning to become a better person and practicing that. I like that. I like that. What about when people are dealing with people in their lives that they either don't like that are unkind to them how would you suggest they deal and a lot of times that's work but a lot of times sure. that's relationships too yeah it can be everything relationship work relationships family um is it so, good to face them is it good to i think there's not one answer it kind of i think you've got to evaluate the pros and cons I mean, what you don't want is, is if somebody is making you miserable, you don't want 
and they, you know, there's a big cost to not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first thing to realize that, you know, not doing anything carries a cost. It is a decision in itself. Um, so generally, you know, it's, it's not easy to deal with the situation without some experiencing some level of discomfort. So, you know, you're either going to have to like set a boundary or you may, you know, want to speak up and tell the person, you know, that's not okay. Or you may want to change the relationship and, you know, have more distance from the person. Mm-hmm. Um, if you decide to set a boundary, it's often uncomfortable, especially if you're not used to speaking up. But you know, I, th- and I, think, I think the thing is to stand your ground. You don't necessarily have to be mean. You mm-hmm. don't have to you know, be like the other person. But you can use your natural style. And you can even you know, have compassion for the person. But it basically, it's, it's just saying, you know, this, is, this is unacceptable. I'll tolerate this, but I won't tolerate that. I bet that if you continue to do it, then, you know, there's going to be some kind of consequence. So really finding your voice. Very much finding your voice Mm -hmm. and tolerating the discomfort. Um, So there's a saying, I think, speak up even if your voice shakes. Mm. It doesn't, you you don't have to do it beautifully either. But like, it's just, I think the fact of doing it is, is a personal success, no matter what the other person's reaction. Mm-hmm. Cause you can't always control other people. I love um, it. I love that. Take, just take, it's more taking control of you and your own emotions. And a lot of times I'll say to people, you know, don't absorb the other person's emotions mm-hmm. because you can't control them. Like you just said, you can't control other people. So why absorb it? it maybe that's habit. Maybe that's just, we're used to that particular relationship. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think you get conditioned, you know, depending on, on the family you grew up in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people comply and kind of, you know, s- suppress their voice to, to survive because they, they're kind of stuck in that family as a dependent child. And maybe that is the best way to survive in that family. Uh, yeah. Or maybe nobody taught them any other skills. Or, uh, but the thing is, what we do as adults is we hang on to unconsciously, we hang on to these old patterns that helped us survive. For some people, it's fighting. For some people, it's complying. For some people, it's avoiding. And then, you know, they play out in our lives over and over again. And, and, and they, what used to be functional now becomes dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. So you can take little steps toward healing, which will end up being a huge step in your life if you just embrace that change that and be okay with being scared of it. Exactly. There's no, cha- I mean, there's no change without some level of a discomfort. Sure. What about anxiety? That just seems to be at the forefront of so many emotional issues. Um, mm-hmm. And people use a lot of um, medications to deal with mm-hmm. anxiety. How can someone manage their anxiety a break through that, break through that wall of just panic? Right. You know, there's, so there's different kinds of anxiety, like there's worry, which is more, you know, in your head or there's panic, which can be more in your body, you know, feeling like you can't breathe and your chest is constricted or some combination. Um, and I think, you know, there are different strategies uh, depending what the anxiety is. But I think if it's in your body, maybe the simplest thing you can do is slow your breathing. Mm-hmm. And and you know, meditate and practice meditation and things like that. 
but slow your breathing and then also just scan your body from head to toe and notice tension in your muscles. Just notice, you know, where there might be areas of tension or discomfort mm -hmm. and see if you can send breath into those areas. Um, and then, you know, that's one piece. And then the other piece is just learning that anxiety, you may not be able to change it right away, mm -hmm. but like, it's not going to kill you. you mm -hmm. can, so that's another, just trying to think of it as something that's sort of coming over you. Not, that's not as dangerous as, as what you think it is. Mm -hmm. And know that it may, it'll pass. It'll pass. Exactly. Yeah. And then with the thinking of some, and also this, you can find different ways to think about it. One is, is to ask yourself, what am I, what am I really scared of here? Like, is this just an automatic response, which mm -hmm. is, you know, which is one possibility. Then you don't want to give it so much importance or am I actually, you know, what am I, am I scared of rejection? Am I scared of the plane crashing? Am I scared of failure? Um, and then to just go through the scenario, well, if plane crashes is a harder one, but, but then you would just think that it's unlikely, but, mm -hmm. um, say if you're scared of rejection, you, you could go through, well, if it did happen, could I survive it? Maybe I wouldn't like it. Maybe it would be difficult or, or sad, but most things you can actually survive, you know, if you drill it down like that. So it's almost as though you give someone a, a replacement thought to yeah yeah to like be able coping, to deal with it a coping thought would be an example coping thought mm -hmm. because i used oh, go ahead but then that's also looking at what do i actually fear and like is it as bad as i think it is mm -hmm. i used to be do i have go ahead sure i used to be very afraid of flying um and i ended up spending some time in the amazon and i was almost didn't wow. go because of that and the way I got over it is I had some neighbors who are pilots um, uh -huh. and I went over there and I said, look, I am totally scared to death. I'm one of those white knuckle, quiet, don't talk to me, mm -hmm. I'm sweating kinds of flyers. And so they said, Jody, mm -hmm. think of it like a river and a river has all these rocks mm -hmm. and bumps, yet the water still flows over it. That's what turbulence is. Oh. So whenever, so that's why I was asking you more of that replacement or that coping thought, because that has completely changed how I am on a plane now. Every time I go over, it's turbulent. I think, oh, we must be going over mountains and the air is different or the river is flowing and those are just bumps, rocks in the river. And, and I'm fine with flying now. Mm, that's, that's a really good strategy. Yeah, just finding a way to think of it that takes the panic down, mm -hmm. that makes it tolerable whatever yeah, I, that is for you. Yeah. And I think the body one's harder. Um, just from my personal experience, I had a heart condition that literally was a physical panic because that of is, irregular yeah. heartbeats. Um, and I got mm -hmm. it fixed, but every so often I'll get, get it again. So, mm -hmm. um, I like what you're saying about slowing your breath, which is what I do. And I do meditate every morning as well. <clears throat> and, um, scanning your body. I think what you mentioned and noticing where the tension is and just sending the breath there. I think that's really, really good advice. I use that with a lot of my patients. And I, the other thing I just remembered is just grounding yourself, actually just feeling your feet in, on the ground, mm -hmm. your body in the chair or the seat, and just, just noticing all those points of contact between you know, your body in the chair or your feet in the ground. It, it kind of brings you back to the present moment. Yeah. And it opens a network in your brain that's more related to direct sensory experience and it shuts down. So it can shuts down the worry network. 
Mm -hmm. I like that. So it's a physical act that you do by grounding. What about, um, I wanted to ask you about two more and then I want to talk about your book for a few minutes. What about those that just don't have self-love? They just, and like you, you said in the beginning, don't beat yourself up. How does someone break through that sense of lack of worth, that sense of why would anyone want to love me anyway? How do you, how, what couple things could you maybe offer that can help someone get from that to at least saying I'm okay? So it's very hard, you know, you should, and I don't think you can, should expect, people should expect it to be easy. Uh, but the first, I think it's trying to understand where this came from. What is, you know, why do, what is the origins of it? And many times it's something in childhood mm. that somebody treated you that way or you as a child you just interpreted the situation as being your fault a bad situation as being your fault because okay. children always think things are their fault um so it's part it's understanding you know maybe you say you had a parent that was very critical or say you had a parent that was an alcoholic and you know you you felt shame part of it you know it's understanding that you faced a difficult situation and as a result, you got conditioned mm-hmm. to think that way. And there was something about thinking that way that was helpful to you then. Um, it's, it could be one or the other or both. I mean, if you have, you know, a parent that's very critical, maybe complying actually helps you get along with them and, and helps you feel that you have a good parent, even if you don't. And so many people, they, like in order to make the parent feel to feel, feel safe with the parent, it's easier to make yourself bad. Mm. So that would be an example of how it, you know, where it's, where it begins. And then you can try to have compassion for that child inside you. And almost go back and maybe talk to that child. Exactly. Yeah. Or do imagery, you know, or something like that. Exactly. And you, or you can talk to the child on a day-to-day basis <laughs> and notice when you're <laughs> in that state of vulnerability. Sure. And maybe tell the child, you're okay, I'll take care of you. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. You're a healthy adult. You can reach for, try to reach for your healthy adult that maybe can take care of others, but can't take care of yourself so well. Yeah, I like that. And then the, the last one I want to ask you about is, so in this 24-7 world of technology and demands and expectations, not only from others, but from ourselves, we, we try to do so much each day how how and then we become paralyzed how do we get more productive and get in the flow and not feel so overwhelmed i think it's having a road map and sometimes you can have your values be the road map like trying to understand like what's most important to me is being a mom most important to me or is work most important or is it equal and then you, you just, you try to let that be your guide. I think, you know, that, that you're making room for the most important things and prioritizing those. Mm-hmm. And this allowing yourself to let some other things go that maybe don't, aren't, don't fit into that goal of yours or don't fit into that value of yours. Mm-hmm. I think it can make sense out of, you know, a, 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 just a ton of demands that come at you. I like that. I'm sure anyone that's feeling that way, that's listening, will really value that. Just, it's okay to let some things go. You don't have to do it all. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, somebody said to me, it's okay to say no to the good, you know, to wait for the great. Also, you can say yes to the great. Oh, I like that too. 
I also like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. So um, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about your book, The Stress-Proof Brain. What, what's the core message of your book? So the message is that, you know, our brains have and bodies have automatic stress responses. And if you can, and it take, it kind of takes us from just being in the present to kind of going into a survival mode. And if you can understand this, if you, if you can understand how your brain works, you can learn, you know, to calm down. It's called the amygdala. You can calm down that fear and survival center. Mm-hmm. And then you can use another part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex, your thinking brain, to make sense of the situation and guide you through um, negotiating it or, you know, accepting it. And there's various tools, including mindfulness, self-compassion, and positive psychology and, and cognitive reframing that can help you. Okay, I'm going to get the book, I'm sure, and, and make sure that I um, Can people get that on Amazon or can sure. they go to your website? Um, yeah, it's on Amazon and you can go to my website. You can click the link as well, either way. Okay. I will provide that on the um, show notes as well. Um, and then you also have a blog that people can go into and it sounds like you talk a lot about mindfulness is what is the blog? So the blog is called the mindful self express self dash express Mm -hmm. and it's on psychology today. And you know, it's, it's, there's a core in it of mindfulness and, you know, explaining what mindfulness is, looking at studies and self-compassion, you know, and how you can apply it in your life. But I've also gone broader into just general psychological self-help, I suppose, topics, you know, based in a, in a kind of a, based on the, my research knowledge and also based on, on my client knowledge to give people advice about managing relationships or managing anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like that. So helpful. So helpful to everyone. Because everyone, I think, goes through some of or many of those things and emotions and at some mm-hmm. point in their lives, right? We all do. We all do. But I'm yeah. sure you take your own advice and <laughs> <laughs> I try to. <laughs> well, you sound so wonderful. Now do people call you Dr. Greenberg? Um, most of my clients call me Melanie, but there's a few that like to call me Dr. Greenberg. Okay. Well, Dr. Greenberg or Melanie, thank you so much for being on the Masogi Method and giving advice. I know it, it was short, but still some great takeaways for people that are going through all these potential emotional states and to know that it's all okay and that there are answers and they're not alone and that they can go find answers on your website. What is your website? Um, www.dr for doctor dr melanie greenberg.com and greenberg is with an e with an e okay and do you give counseling sessions over the phone i do i do counseling and coaching um there's, there's sometimes different rules for different states about whether i'm allowed to actually do counseling you know out of in certain states but um you know, in some states I can, and in California, I, I, I can do anywhere in California. I do the phone or I do through the internet as well as in person. Wonderful. Well, that's good to know, and I'll include that in the show notes as well. Melanie, thank, thank you. you so much for being on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and I hope you have a great week. Thank you. Me too. I look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. 
Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%, APR 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 0.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%, APR 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 0.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.